Good morning, gorgeous. How are you doing this morning? I hope you're doing wonderful. Thank you for being here and listening to The Dr. Dab Show. I'm your host, Dr. Dab, and we're continuing our series on the purpose and power of women, God's design for female identity. Today, we're going to discuss the idea and the fact and the truth that you were created to be loved. Yes, you, my dear, you were created by God for the purpose of being loved first and then everything else. So we're going to talk about that today. And I want you to go ahead and just sit back, relax, get something to drink, get something to write with, and let's talk about this. Each week, I give you an idea, an opportunity, and not a challenge to do something that will enhance the elegance in your life. So this week, my proposal to you about creating a more elegant lifestyle is to take a shower or a bath with candles only. This is something that I know you might see in photos on Instagram or maybe even in movies. But it is something that's really special that I've actually incorporated into my lifestyle. And I, well, before I had my baby, (laughs) I did this every single day. I took baths only with candlelight because it created a very dim and romantic ambiance. And it just allowed me to feel soothed and calm. And I like candles that smell really nice. So it gave the bathroom a beautiful scent and just enhanced the feeling during this time in the shower of relaxation. Now, if you are someone who likes to take baths, they have, and I don't remember the name of them because I'm not someone who enjoys taking baths, but for those who do, they have the trays that you put across your bathtub. I wish I would have remembered the name of what this is called, but you can just Google it. And it's a a tray that sits over your bathtub in the middle of it so that you can sit down in the bathtub and have candles on it. You can have wine or water sitting on it. And it's really nice just to have that there. So you can put the candles there or you can put them all around the bathroom. Of course, be safe with it. Make sure that you understand candle safety and light it up with candles. And enjoy, enjoy your bath, enjoy your shower, enjoy music or enjoy calmness, stillness, and take in the feeling of elegance. Because as a woman who is truly focused on bringing a little bit more quiet, a little bit more serenity, a little bit more intentionality into her life, it's nice to do things that are a special treat that are not necessarily over the top, that don't take a whole lot of time or a lot of money that can be done whenever you just feel like you need a reset. So tell me what your experience is like. Once you do it, you can send me a message on Instagram. I love hearing from you. You can leave me a comment or you can just write down in a journal so that you don't forget and you can make it part of your lifestyle. So an elegant year. Cheers. (laughs) Let's talk about understanding the purpose and power of women. We are talking about God's creation and you, my love, being created to be loved by God. Let us look at the purpose of humanity, starting with the first two human beings that God created, because they represent all of us. When God created humanity, he had two overarching purposes in mind, relation and vocation. The first purpose is God's personal reason for creating us, for relationship with himself. The second is his executive reason for creating us, for the life work he designed us to carry out for him in the earth. The book of Genesis tells us of the origin of humanity. Genesis 1 is a declaration chapter. It declares what God did in creation. Genesis 2 is an explanation chapter. It explains how God accomplished his act of creation. We read, Then God said, 
Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over all the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The first question we need to ask is, why did God decide to create man? The second is, what does it mean to be created in God's image? Third, what does it mean for man to have dominion over all the earth? And fourth, why did God create male and female? The ultimate purpose behind the creation of man was, and is, love. The scripture tells us that God is love in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. He doesn't just show love. He is love. He desires to share his love with us because love is his essential quality. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. Jeremiah 31.3 The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Zephaniah 3.17 God has many other qualities besides love that we could list. But I want to let you know that God created you to love you. We as humans, you know, we walk around this earth and as women, especially, we desire love. We hope that people will like us when they meet us. We hope that they will like us enough to love us. And we desire love from our partners, from our spouses, from our children from our coworkers, from our friends, from the world, even people we don't know. When we see them on social media, we post things. We desire for people to like us and love us. But the issue is that people love with conditions. People like you with conditions. And as soon as you do something that they don't like, as soon as you show them a part of you that they didn't expect to see, as soon as you show that you are actually a human being, you make mistakes, you get upset sometimes, you pop off when you shouldn't, you are not perfect, they withdraw that love. So it wasn't love at all. The thing about God that makes God so beautiful, so special, so different than any other person is that God loves you unconditionally, meaning there are no conditions. There is nothing that you can do to earn it. There is nothing that you can do to take it away. That's love. And that's the kind of love that you get only from the Father. Not from anyone here on earth. Unconditional love. And that's why he made you. So that he could love you. God has many other qualities besides love that we could list. He is righteous, holy, omnipotent, almighty. He is all of these wonderful things, yet God could be all of these attributes and still exist by himself in isolation. He doesn't need anyone else in order to be holy. He doesn't need anyone else to be righteous. He doesn't need anyone to be mighty. He can be omnipotent, omnipresent, and all the rest of his qualities by himself. However, it is the nature of love to give of itself and it cannot give in isolation. In order for love to be fulfilled, it has to have someone to love, and it has to give to its beloved. Therefore, God's primary motivation in the creation of man was love. 
He created man because he wanted to share his love with a being like himself, a being created in his image. In the New Testament, Jesus both affirms and exemplifies God's love for us. He said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. John 3.16 He gave. He gave because he loved. You cannot love without giving. If you want to know if someone loves you, like if you're dating someone or if you have friends or people in your life and you're wondering, does this person actually love me? Think about this. Do they give to you? It's not just material things, but do they give? Are they giving? Because you cannot love without giving. When you love, you give. It's automatic. Yet in order to give love in a way that's truly fulfilling, the receiver has to be like the giver in nature. Otherwise, the love will not be complete. You cannot give in a meaningful way to someone that's not like you because it cannot receive your gift in a way that will satisfy your giving. Giving is only complete when the receiver and the giver are alike. God desired a shared and mutual love, not a one-sided love. So you and your bird will not be able to give and receive love in the same way. You're not the same in nature. And so it is important that when one is giving, the receiver is able to receive in the same way. A bird will not be able to understand your love because they're not human. And so God made us like him so that we could understand his love. We had to be made in his image. This is not an abstract concept. This means that the entire human race, including you and I, were created by God to be loved by him. The thing about love that makes it so challenging sometimes is that we as a human race, We misuse the word love. We throw it around so much. We've diluted it to the point where it just sounds like any old word. We don't really get the depth of what love actually means. And unfortunately, so so many of us have not received the love that we do understand from the people who should have given it to us. Maybe you had a mother who didn't show you any love or a father who abused you or who took away the meaning of love because of the way he treated you. Or maybe you were in relationships where the person told you they loved you and then they left or they cheated on you. And the word love just means nothing. Or we use love so flagrantly for little things like, oh, I love this face mask. I love this show. And that's not really love. You know, we enjoy it or moved by things, but love is deep. Love is sacrificial. Love gives. Love is automatic. It doesn't take into account how things feel. Oh, I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like doing that. They made me mad, so I'm not going to do this. Love does it anyway. But I want to know from you, do you feel loved by God? Do you believe God really loves you? Have you ever thought about that? I know sometimes some of us will look at other people who talk about God and we think that, oh, God loves them, definitely loves them. Look at all the things they have. Look at all the things that they've accomplished. But God doesn't really love me because I'm in the same old situation. Or perhaps you had a father who did hurt you. And because of that pain, it's distorted the image of a father. So it's difficult to see God as father in a way that makes you comfortable because your father didn't do what a father was supposed to do. All of these things distort love and it distorts God's love for us. But God's love for us is on a higher level 
He's not a human being. He's not like us in that way. We have his image, but he's on a whole nother level. He's without sin. He's without blemish. He's perfect. And his love for us is completely pure. And he does love you. He loves you so much. And if you pay attention to the love, you'll start to see how much he loves you by the things that he protects you from, by the healing that he gives you. I'm going to tell you right now, he loves you so much that he sends people into your life. He sends messages into your life. Maybe someone sent you this message today because that person cares about you. And God used that person to show you how much he loves you by having you hear this message. I know he sent me. He sent me to you to tell you that he loves you and remind you and convince you and telling you to look out for his love because it's there. And not just me, but he sent so many people your way if you're paying attention to show you how much he loves you. But depending on how you see it, depending on if you're acknowledging that it's coming from God, depending on your gratitude and the fact that you're open to receiving his love, he can shoot love at you all day, but are you open to receiving it? I just want you to sit on this this week, just marinate in the idea in the reality and in the truth that God loves you. Ask him to show you that love this week. Just ask, get on your knees and say, Dad, Abba, Father in heaven, Father in heaven, who is nothing like my father here, show me that you love me and thank you for loving me and see what happens. God and humanity were made from one another. It doesn't matter whom else you love. You are never going to be satisfied until you love God. No matter how many relationships you have and how many gifts you buy for others or buy for yourself, because, you know, we're in the self-love, self-obsession culture. (laughs) No matter how many gifts you buy for yourself, girl, when it's all over, you will still be lonely. Why? Because the person who you were made to love above all else is God. The person who you were made to love above all else doesn't have a place in your life because you haven't given it. You were made to love God. Your love was designed to be fulfilled by him. So if you're placing your fulfillment in your children, of course you're supposed to love your children and you should, and you should display that love as much as you can. But they're not why you were created to love. You were not created just to love them or just to love the sick people or the homeless people or the orphans or the foster children or whoever you give your love to, your husband. Your love was designed to be fulfilled by God. And until you love God, my love, you will never be satisfied. You will always feel a sense of emptiness. He essentially drew man out of himself. So the essence of man would be just like him. In this way, the receiver could be just like the giver and could reciprocate his love. Since God is spirit, he created man as a spirit. Man is spirit, and spirits have no gender. Okay, so when he created man, just remember, you're a spirit. You live in a body, and you have a soul, but essentially you are a spirit. And spirits don't have genders. So God took the spirit man and placed them in two physical forms, male and female. So when God created us, he created us in his own image and in his own likeness. And then he created male and female, put the spirit in different bodies. 
In the Bible, when God speaks to humanity, he uses the term man. So if you read the Bible, you'll see man, but it's not talking about an actual man. When he uses man, he's talking about the human race. Paul in Galatians 3.28 says that in the body of Christ, there is neither male nor female, neither slave nor master. When God deals with people, he deals with their spirits. So just because you're a woman doesn't mean that you're any less than a man. In God's eyes, we're all spirit. We're all the same in that way. And God is a spirit, so he deals with us in spirit. And that's why when you worship, and it just says here, I was just going to say, and I saw it in the book, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. We worship God with our spirits, not with our gender. This means if you're a man, before God, your spirit does not depend on your wife. If you are a woman before God, your spirit does not depend on your husband. I want to come back to that, but I just want to remind you of that important truth. There are some people who believe in God, some people who call themselves Christians, who are extremely religious. Now, religion has its benefits or its purposes. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm saying wash religion down the drain. It's important to have some religious practices because that's what keeps you in check. But it's also important to be spiritual because God is spirit. And really, there should be balance. You shouldn't be so spiritual that you're just removed from reality. <laughs> you're like living in some, this universe of like, everything is like so deep and you're just totally removed and you're not grounded and you're not down to earth and you're just not here. It shouldn't be to that extreme, but it also shouldn't be to the extreme of just religiosity or just doing the things without your spirit being involved. And that's why you can go to church, you can sing songs, you can read your Bible, you can even pray, and it means nothing. It means nothing because your spirit wasn't involved. You yourself were not fully involved in those things. And God doesn't care about anything you're saying or anything you're doing. To be honest, I mean, you can pray without opening your mouth. You can pray without speaking the words. I always say you should pray while speaking the words because your words carry that power and, and the Bible, you know, all of it is kind of meant to be read aloud, but it doesn't take you saying anything out loud for God to hear you because you just doing that can be a prayer to God. <laughs> it can be you expressing yourself in a way where you are connecting with God, if your mind is on him and you do something, an expression, anything, a thought, that prayer could be way more weighty than the three-hour prayer you did in your bedroom when you were just rambling because God is spirit. So when your spirit connects with his spirit and when you truly connect with him in a way that's real, that's when he shows up. That's when he hears you. That's when he answers. I have a podcast that's coming out. It may have already come out and I don't want to ruin it for you, <laughs> but I am going to say it because it's important. Um, I interviewed a lady named Tonier who had a like trials to triumph story. But one part of her story was that she was in jail and she just called out to God and said, Lord, if you listen to people like me, I don't know if you do, but if you do, please help me. And that prayer saved her. That prayer got her born again. In that prayer, I'm sure that in her spirit, she was giving her all to God. She was saying, Lord, I believe in you. I need you. I'm ready to change. I want to do things your way, all of that. In her statement of, if you listen to people like me, help. Boom. Her life was completely changed. She never had the urge to drink, to smoke, to do crack, to do prostitution, all of it gone in instant. 
by that simple sentence where as when you go to church, they say, if you want to be saved, if you want God to come into your heart, say this. And you have to say it like line for line for line for line. It's like, yeah, of course, like that definitely works if your spirit is involved because you can still say it and not mean it and it means nothing. But you can also be in a situation where you have no idea what to say, but your spirit is genuinely asking for the Lord and seeking the Lord and you want him. And because you want him desperately and you're ready for that change, even though you don't know what to say, you say what you do know, because you're pulling it from your spirit, God hears, accepts it, and (laughs) that's it. That's it. We, a lot of times, make God to be someone that he's not. And it, it, it really does hurt me when I when I think about who Jesus was or is, but when I think about how Jesus was when he was here on earth as a human being roaming around like you and I, I think about how many people he, now who call themselves Christians who would not have known that was Jesus, who would have probably been up for crucifying him, who would have completely ignored him, who would have shut him out because he didn't fit the religious bill, right? All of the people who we know didn't like what Jesus was doing because he was doing things that weren't like part of the law, right? I believe so many Christians today do that still. Like the way that we act and I hate, I don't want to say we, because I don't, I do not see myself as part of that at all. But the way that so many Christians act, like it truly does disgust me. It truly does disgust me. And it made me for a very long time. I think that's part of the reason why it took me so long to give my life to Christ. It's because I just didn't see myself like that. I'm not one of those kind of people. And I don't want to be part of that group. But then when I got to learning about who Jesus really was through reading the Bible and the Holy Spirit and finding pastors and ministers that fit that image for me, I started to see that these people have it all wrong. And that if Jesus came right now, you'd be so surprised at what he would be saying. No, that's actually okay with me. And what everyone else is all getting all upset and hot and bothered about. Because we always focus on the wrong stuff as humans. And I don't want people who are Christians to deter you from God. It's so important for you, yourself, to form your relationship with Him through your own knowledge of Him by reading the Word of God. And if you need a little bit more help, you can watch shows like The Chosen. The Chosen's a really beautiful show about Jesus. And I believe that show depicts Jesus as how he probably was, personality-wise, the vibe, you know? Not some, like, super serious robotic man, but, like, a really chill, like, super cool guy. He is. He made you chill, super cool, right? That's part of him. Where do you think he got that from? Where do you think God got that from? You don't think God's funny? God's hilarious. How did he make other people hilarious? He's hilarious. He's interesting. He's creative. He's cool. He's not dry and boring and serious. He can be like anyone else, but he's a mixture of a lot of things. And we have it wrong because we look at people who are like ministers and pastors and not just them but the people (laughs) the people of the church who truly don't have a relationship and are just very religious and we look at that and we think that's how god is too and it's just not true and so i went on this whole tirade just to say it's important for you to know god for yourself because once you once you meet jesus for real, you'll know who he really is. But in the book, it talks about how many people have this impression that your husband, let's say you're married, your husband's relationship with God 
is connected to yours in a way. And I'm going to read exactly what he says. Many men seem to have this impression. They drop their wives off at church because they believe their wives are going to cover for them while they go off and do some other activity. She's a spiritual one in the house. They think, she'll pray for the kids. She'll pray for me. I'll just go and play baseball. Yet the man within the male and the man within the female are each responsible to God. Many women misunderstand this truth also. They seem to be waiting for their husbands to become Christians before they worship God. If their husbands don't care about God, that fact has nothing to do with their own worship of him. A woman has a spirit. She's responsible, spiritual being. Even if a woman's husband wants to live in an evil way and be an abomination to God, she is to worship the Lord anyway. God is not going to say to her, well, since your husband doesn't worship me, then it's fine that you didn't either. The Bible says that every person must stand on his own feet before God. God is going to deal with us spirit to spirit. Therefore, spiritually, God does not care whether you are male or female. He is concerned with the spirit, man. Your relationship to God is not dependent on whether you are male or female. You must come to God through your spirit. And that's deep. That's deep. It's hard. Let me tell you, it is hard when you are married to someone who is not where you are spiritually, who doesn't want to participate in spiritual things, who is maybe even stopping you from doing spiritual things. It's really hard. And this is something that requires consistent prayer, but it cannot stop you from worshiping God. It cannot stop you from doing what you're supposed to do in terms of your relationship with God. You cannot use that as an excuse. You have to do whatever you can do. If he says, oh, you can't go to church, sorry. If he makes up reasons as to why you can't go, oh, there's not enough gas for the week or, oh, well, I don't want you bringing COVID up in this house by going to church or whatever, whatever they try to make up, right? If you feel like you can't go, okay, maybe those reasons are stopping you from physically being able to go to church, but your spirit, you worship in spirit and in truth. If you can't go to church, it's okay. Church is important, but that is not the place where you worship. You worship in your spirit. You constantly talk to God. You constantly pray. You sing. You wake up a little bit earlier than your husband and try to read your Bible or try to pray or wake up in the morning or in the middle of the night or whenever you can wake up. 10 minutes. You know, it doesn't have to be a super long time if that's not what you have right now, but do it. Show God that you love him above all else. Your husband's important, but not more important than God. No one is. Your husband can be here today, gone tomorrow. But God is still God, and he still expects you as his daughter to put him before all else. Have you ever wondered why, when a wife becomes a Christian, God doesn't always save her husband at the same time? The reason is that he's a different spirit being altogether. God does say that believing spouses sanctify their unbelieving spouses, which means that they keep them in a protective environment so that God can reach them. However, these spouses still have to go to God of their own accord. Reading that honestly made me feel really good <laughs> and really warm and just it, it really felt good to hear that i had never heard that when i read this i didn't know that i didn't know that and it, it says see first corinthians chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 and that's a beautiful thing because a lot of times when you are married to an unbeliever or a christian who just is in the world or lukewarm or a Christian, someone who says that they're a Christian, but you see no evidence of that, it can be really, really hard for you. And you might think that, my goodness, what am I going to do? I'm already married to this guy, right? 
it's comforting to know that God is still involved. God, God knows what's going on and he wants you to still behave properly. Don't dog him out. Don't be rude and nasty to him. As a matter of fact, do the complete opposite. Be extra kind, be extra warm, be extra loving. Okay, granted this person is not hurting you. I will never condone physical, emotional, sexual, mental abuse from your husband. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just a man who is an unbeliever. If he's doing those things, praying for him and being loving towards him and let God be God. Wait for it in excitement. Tell God, you know, I cannot wait, Lord, until I see this man get his salvation if he wants it. Wait for it with excitement and do your part because God is watching you. He's watching you. You're his representative in that home. He's watching you, my love. And let God be God. It's God's job to draw a person, not yours. And don't get yourself into trouble being judgmental and looking down on him. <laughs> it's, as hard as that is going to be sometimes, it's, trust me, that can be really hard. Don't bother. It does not help you. It just draws you further away from him. What does it mean for a man to have dominion? That's something that's talked about in Genesis. God said, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living creature that moves on the ground. Man was created to have dominion over the earth and to rule over it. Spiritually, both male and female have the same responsibility towards the earth. We were both made to do the same thing. We were not given different assignments in that way. God told humanity, in effect, rule over my world, take care of it, subdue it, and fashion it with your own creativity. In that way, man would reflect the loving and creative spirit with which he was made in the image of God. So for those of you wondering, why God made man, he made you, man, meaning male and female, to love you and to give you the power to rule over the earth that he created for you. God's eternal purpose is that the entire spiritual world, including the powers of darkness, will know his wisdom through us. If the devil wants to know what God is like, he's supposed to look at us. Most of us aren't showing the devil what God is like. We're showing the devil what he's like. Mm. However, God's purpose is that he might display his manifold wisdom to all of the spirit world through those whom he has created and redeemed in Christ. So it's not just enough for him to make you. God wants to have you as his own because once you are in this world from the beginning, unfortunately, because we're born in sin, we have the free will to decide if we want to belong to God. So until you have actually made the decision to give your life to Christ, you're still part of the kingdom of darkness. You're still, you still belong to the devil. Let me just make it very simple. You still belong to the devil. You don't belong to God. You're under his thumb. And until you give your life to Christ, that's when he saves you. He saves you. Because unfortunately, in the beginning, we gave up 
our power to the devil, Adam and Eve, the very beginning. So because of that, we have to be bought back. We have to be bought back from the devil. If you've ever gotten your car towed, which thank God I haven't, but I have been around tons of people who have gotten their car towed. I've been to the junkyard where they tow your car to. If you park somewhere you shouldn't park, a tow truck comes and takes your car and puts it in like this huge lot with all these cars. And it's up to you to go and get your car out. Now this can happen for a lot of reasons. Maybe you parked in the wrong place or maybe you got arrested. Let's say a person was drunk driving and they got pulled over by the police. The police arrest them, put them in jail, and their car gets towed to the junkyard. That person then needs to get someone else to go to the junkyard and pay to get out, to get their car out, and obviously to get them out of jail. (laughs) So you can call your mother and say, Mom, can you please get my car from the junkyard because it got towed? And that person has to go and pay like a ton of money and get your car out. And then, of course, hopefully someone will also come and get you out. But that's kind of like how it is when we were into this world. We came into this world, but unfortunately, we were taken by the devil. And Jesus, through his sacrifice of his life, was what bought you back, was what got that car back and said, okay, I'm going to pay for it. I'll pay for it. I'll, I, I need this car back. It actually belongs to me or someone I love, I'm taking it and I'm paying. This is the price. Sure. Here you go. And that's what happened to you. Someone bought you back. If you allow it, if you say that you want to be bought back. So those cars, a lot of times stay in the junkyard, to be honest with you. Like a lot of those cars that people get towed, stay there. And what happens is no one comes to pick it up because maybe it's too expensive or whatever. And those cars get auctioned off. People end up getting those cars for a super, super good discount because they do like this huge sale of all the cars that never got picked up. So it's up to you. You don't have to pick your car back up. You can just let it stay there and you just won't ever get it back. And it's up to you for your own life, your own salvation. You can say, I'm good. I like my life, even though I belong to the devil. And I don't have someone who's literally ruling over me and helping me with every single thing. I'm okay with this. This is, I'm okay here. God gives you free will. He lets you know that he's available, but if you don't want it, he's not going to force himself on you. And that's a gift. It's a gift of salvation. It's free. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to get God's love, but it's available to you. So it's important that we don't live our lives for the devil. We don't act like him. We don't behave like him when we are God's child. When we're not God's child, when we haven't given our lives to Christ, we are going to act like the devil naturally. We are. It's going to come very easy, very naturally. We'll probably feel absolutely nothing while we're doing it. But once you become a child of God, once he buys you back, he's actually already bought you back. But once you accept it, then it's important for you to act like Christ. God took man and placed him in two separate physical houses so that he could fulfill his purposes for humanity and for the world. Therefore, although spirits have no gender, the houses in which they live do. The first house God made was the male. The second house God made was the female. Genesis 1.26.27 implies that the process through which God created man as a spiritual being was different from the process through which God formed the male and the female bodies. We can think of this distinction in this way. God created man, but he made male and female. The word make in verse 26, let us make man, and created in verse 27, 
so God created man, are two different Hebrew words. The word make is asa, and it means to form out of something that is already there. The word created is bara, which means to form out of nothing. These verses indicate that God created man in his own spiritual image, but that God also then made man with a physical body. God used both of these words in reference to how he brought the first humans into existence. In effect, he was saying, I will both create him and make him. I will create him out of nothing and I will make him out of something. When God gave the spirit man dominion over the physical earth, he gave him a physical body so that he could live and function in the world and to rule over it. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Genesis 2-7 God formed a house from the dust of the ground. This house was the male. Then God housed the spirit man in the male. What motivated God to make the female? When God placed the spirit man in the male, God and man could still give and receive love through their spirits. However, because man now had a physical body, he also needed someone whom to share human and physical love. This is a reflection of man's creation in the image of God. God is love. Man came from love and is made up of love, and love cannot dwell alone. The male man had a problem. God told him, you have the animals, but they aren't like you. Animals were created for man's enjoyment, and although they can give us some comfort, they cannot truly fulfill a person's need for love. Some people know that they need the love of other humans, but they're not brave enough to pursue it. They don't have the capacity to put aside their pride or their fears so that they can risk love with another human being. Therefore, they turn to animals for companionship. You see, a dog can't answer back or tell you about your faults. A cat can't point out your weaknesses. That's why some people would rather love dogs and cats than other people. Yet animals are not of the same essence as humans. And so the love isn't a complete or fulfilling one. I remember being at Target with my baby in the carrier and this woman walks up to me. You know, when you have a baby, you get a lot of people stopping you saying a lot of stuff. It's really interesting. (laughs) But this lady had her dog in her cart and she says, Hmm. my baby has four feet. Yours only has two. And I was like, "Uh okay. (laughs) Like, was this a joke? Like, are you upset? I I honestly did not know. And then she just walks off. And I'm like, okay. You know, I'm used to people saying a lot of weird stuff, having a baby. I I don't get it, but I'm used to it being some sort of a trigger for some people. But... The thing is, to what Dr. Monroe is saying in this book, yes, her baby, as she calls it, which it was actually a dog, has four feet and mine only has two. But her baby can't talk to her, can't connect with her, can't grow up to be someone different, isn't like her. It's not a it's not a baby. It's not a human. And I know, I know, I know if you're an animal lover, I know this is difficult because unfortunately a lot of people do use their animals to substitute human love. And as much as animals are cute and sweet and loving in some ways, they're never going to be a person. And that has to push you to a point of realizing that you do need people. You can't hide. You need people. It may not be a baby, but you do need people. You can't have your animals serve as a person. 
because they aren't. And unfortunately, some people do need to hear that because there does need to be a reality a reality check that just, you know, happens when you're in a spiral. Some people lose their animals and they can't move past it. And I'm sure it hurts, but they're not a person. Unlike a person, you can get another dog. That looks just like the last one. You know, it's not the same as a person. You're not the same in nature and you can't compare them. And you're really supposed to rule them. It's fine to have a dog that you put in a stroller, but really a dog shouldn't be in a stroller. In terms of how God set the world up, we're supposed to be ruling over them, not serving them. It's fine. Like, you know, I'm not admonishing you. You can do it. (laughs) I'm just saying that's not the order of creation. Animals are meant to serve us. Sure, we can have them as pets, but still we were made to dominate and rule and not serve them in any way. The first principle to note regarding the woman is that she was created as a result of something beautiful. Woman came about because of love. It was love that caused her existence. The primary purpose of the female was to be loved by the male, just as God's major purpose for creating the spirit man was to give him love. God's creation of the female is fascinating because it exactly parallels his creation of man. Just as God has drawn man from himself and created him as a spiritual being, he drew the woman out of man and made her a physical being. God, who was love, needed someone to whom to give his love, and so he created man out of himself. Similarly, the man needed someone to whom to give his love, and so God created the female from the male's own body. This parallel in creation illustrates the oneness and mutual love that God and man and male and female were created to have. God knows your needs. And when God realized that Adam was here and he didn't have anyone who was like him to love, that impacted God. And that's why I was drawing the illustration with the animal. God could have said, well, you know, you have this cute little monkey. You have this cute little bird. You can love them. They can be your babies. They can be your friends. But God didn't say that. God said, "Mm, this is not going to do. Yeah, they're cute. Yeah, they're nice. Yeah, they're fun. But they're not you. They're not people. God knew that man could not be fulfilled with the love of the animals. That wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to be what he wanted for man. He wanted man to be able to feel and express love in a way that he could receive it and truly give it in a way that they could receive it. So he needed to create someone who man could love. And that's why he created female, so that that love could be given towards her. And so I just wanted to make that point to say, God cares. He cares about how you feel. He cares that you may feel like you don't have love. He wants to fulfill that for you. Through people, through people, through people. And he will if you are open and allow it. The woman needed to be of the same essence as a man in order to receive love from him and be in relationship with him. That's why God didn't go back to the soil to fashion another house when he formed the female. If he had done that, she would have not been the same exact duplicate of the man. She would not have been made of the same essence of the man. The way humanity was made of the essence of God. So God took exactly what was needed from the male to make an exact replica, and he created the woman. She was so much in likeness to him that when God presented her to the man, his first words were, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman 
for she was taken out of man. Genesis 2.23 Therefore, God built the female out of the part that he took from the male so that they could be made of exactly the same substance. And it's beautiful. And I, I thought when I read this that God just kind of alerted me to the fact that he recognized himself in her. He said, nah, this, this is me right there. And I don't want to get off on a tangent because I know that, you know, I need to wrap this up. But it just reminded me of how when you're dating and you meet a guy who really falls in love with you, I believe that he sees himself in you. He sees a part of him in you. It could even be a part of him that he desires to have. Maybe he doesn't actually even have it, but he admires it or wants it, but recognizes that this is part of him. Maybe a part of him that he hasn't yet developed. And I believe that when a man meets a woman that he wants to be his wife, he sees himself in her. And that was revealed to me when reading the scripture. Because the female came from the male, the male is essentially the giver and the female is essentially the receiver. If you look at the way the female body is made, she is a receiver from A to Z. Her receiving complements the male's giving. Though the woman was taken from the man and was built to be like him, she is a distinct creation. This is highlighted in her physical difference from the man in that she is able to bear children. You could say that a woman is a wombed man. She is a man with a womb. She is still the same as a male, but has certain differences. These differences are complementary in nature and are designed so that the male and female can fulfill one another's emotional and physical needs while they are spiritually nourished by God and his love so that they can together fulfill their mandate to have dominion over the world. Does your understanding of your creation and God's image have an effect on your relationship with God and how you live your life? And do you know the beauty in you and why you were created? I hope that this chapter illuminated you to the beauty in God's creation of you, the reason that he wanted to have you specifically here in this earth, and how he created us to rule over the world and to love and to be loved. As you know from the content that I create on femininity that you as a woman are a receiver. You are built to receive. Receive love, receive direction, receive wisdom, receive everything good. That's how you were designed. And we'll talk more about that and what that means and how we blossom in our womanhood. I want you to be reminded of God's love for you and in how important you are on this earth. And no matter what you've experienced, no matter what has happened to you in your life, no matter what you are dealing with now, God is the answer. God is the healer. God's love and his word is the answer to every single thing that you are dealing with. And once you can come out of those things, you can step into the design that he had for your life when he created you. I'm just going to say a prayer for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your daughter. Thank you for allowing her to be able to be here today and hear your words and realize the love that you have for her is pure, without blemish, that she has been redeemed in order to be loved and cherished by you and those who you have brought in this world to bring her up. We ask, Father God, that this week you show us your love. You show us why you created us. You show us that your love is unfailing. You show us how to have dominion over the areas in our life that you asked us to dominate. We ask, Father God, that the wounds that we have that are burning inside of us, that are stopping us from being able to enjoy the life you've created for us, are healed. Let your words be healing ointment over our wounds. 
let us be removed from the power of darkness and brought into your wonderful light. We love you and we thank you for everything that you've done and everything that you're going to do in our lives. We give ourselves to you fully and wholly. And we thank you for being our God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, my loves, for listening to this. I hope that you're able to share some feedback on this segment and if it's impacted you or anything that you want to share with me. You can find me on Instagram at the Dr. Daff Show or my personal Instagram, Dr. Michelle Daff. And visit findforever.com if you love fragrance to purchase a beautiful fragrance that'll inspire you in so many ways and help you smell like the gorgeous daughter of God that you are. Findforever.com. I love you and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.